The Start On Demand. On demand. It's Valentine's Day, and there are some people who are upset on this Valentine's Day with Manitoba Public Insurance. There is a backlog to the point where if your car is still roadworthy, you might be asked to call back in a couple of days. Just maybe call us back in a couple of days. We're kind of busy. And my day was made when one of our listeners sent me a package that I thought this product could only be purchased in the United States, but... Food Fair, Munther Zeed, heard us talking about it, and he saved the day huge. I'm Brett McGarry with Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, and this is the podcast for the Valentine's Day edition of The Start. Have you tried to open a claim with MPI over the last several days? We asked that question about a half hour ago. We're getting lots of text message feedback, but if you're just tuning in, we want to play this for you. Have you been met with a recording that suggests you may want to hold off? We are experiencing a higher than normal volume of calls, and as a result, you may experience some delay. If the claim you are reporting does not affect your vehicle's roadworthiness, please give us a few days to deal with the emergency calls and then call us again. We thank you for your patience at this time. If people are getting that message, what's the best thing they can do? Uh, well, they can uh, call back at a later hour or they can call on, uh, on a Saturday. Again, if their vehicle is drivable, they may want to wait a couple of days. Uh, we have had this uh, issue about a week ago. Uh, then our contact centre was uh, handling calls as they were coming in. So... Uh, There will be times when uh, our customers will receive these, but it's not common, but it certainly has happened in the past. So we asked the question, if you know, is this acceptable? Is this uh, poor customer service? We just got a text message from Adam. Uh, My thoughts on MPI, the company is a joke. My father-in-law was in an accident last week. Last Wednesday, in fact, car is undrivable, managed to get it back home. They said it would be picked up in 24 to 72 hours and taken to their yard on Plessy. They called at 1 o'clock in the morning on Saturday to come pick it up, which they ended up leaving a message because everybody was sleeping. It's now Tuesday, a week plus one day since the accident, and the car is still sitting in his garage. I have actually never heard of this happening in terms of not being able to get through to the service. He said it was rare, but there's a lot of people who probably think, well, it's been really bad winter driving. The roads aren't great. So that's probably just a rise in collisions. And Brian Smalley said yesterday it wasn't it. It was just that they're just busy, period. And and then we got collision numbers, and there's actually been fewer collisions so far this year than there were last year by about a thousand so it's not a collision thing it's not a more crashes thing even though that's what you'd think on the flip side one of our listeners said how is mpi saying your if your car is roadworthy please call back in a few days any different from caa saying if your car is at home and you are safe we won't be coming for you right but they said that because they had an overabundance of calls due to the weather this isn't due to anything it's just due to an overabundance of calls it's just an odd it's an odd situation like i'm not i'm not i'm not seeing the math add up like i don't disagree there's clearly either less staff or just thousands of just fender benders happening or maybe people are just deciding to make claims now from things that happened two months ago who knows the caa was saying we are too busy we're doing right. our best because MPI- of an extreme weather correct event, and mpi saying we're not seeing an increase in claims um this is just uh, something that's happening right now there is a lack of a correlation there on that front
There's a text that just came in at 204-780-6868 saying, Good morning, guys. I've been calling them since last Tuesday, and I'm pretty ticked off. Right on the website, it tells you to report an accident in a timely manner. Um, Okay, well, I'm trying to do that. Yeah, and that was my question, too. Like, you can get, can they fault you if it wasn't reported in a certain length of time? And then also, you know, again, back to the conversation of, if your card's roadworthy, well, okay. But I, if I have a broken taillight, I can get ticketed for that. So that has to get fixed. So we'll have more to discuss on MPI, this backlog throughout the morning. But we also want to shift to highway funding. Since the Pallister government came to power, there have been some, shall we call them, shifting priorities. And one of the areas that has seen less money than in the past i.e. under the previous government, is highway infrastructure. Yesterday, the federal and provincial governments announced significant funding for eight highway improvement projects across the province. Approximately 350 kilometers of road will be improved. Liberal MP Doug Eilison, along with Manitoba Infrastructure Minister Ron Schuler, were side-by-side for the announcement. Work involves repairing sections of the Trans-Canada Highway as well as provincial trunk. I've always wondered what the trunk means. I'd love to know what that means. (laughs) It's truncated? Trunk? I don't know. Oh, what, what, well, I don't even know. What does truncated like mean? Shortened, cut in half, not the, not the full highway? I don't know. I actually don't know. <laughs> Keep <laughs> going. I'm putting that on my list of things to find <laughs> out this week. Highways 2, 3, 5, 6, 10, and 16. For some more detail on three of the projects in particular, Minister Schuler joined Tristan and Julie on the news. It's about $291 million, and it's uh, a, a lot of different projects. There'll be eight in total. Probably the one that most Manitobans would understand is we're going to uh, put a, a separation or dividing the highway from, you know, where Nick's Inn is in Headingley all the way to the way station. It, right now, there's no dividing of that highway. It, it is dangerous. There's a lot of traffic and a very good project. It's going to make uh, things a lot better for people and a lot safer. And those are the kind of projects we're going to do around the province. Highway 75 South also getting some attention. Yes. Uh, for anybody who's crossed the border lately, they've noticed when they're coming into Canada from the U.S., there's been a lot of work. What we're trying to do is separate the truck traffic from the uh, the personal vehicles, right? And now we're going to do the same thing going south. The U.S. government would like to see us separating the trucks from the personal vehicles. And it's a, a nice chunk of money. And when it's all done, it's going to be a lot more efficient for those who have lined up at the border uh, they, you know, they'll appreciate the fact that we're going to divide those two sets of traffic. Now, what are some other highways that will see some attention here? Well, if you've ever come back from Twin Beaches in the summertime on Highway Number Six, and you come to the perimeter, that intersection really does need work. So we're going to go back a ways, and we're going to um, twin it, and that way, when you come to the perimeter, there'll be a proper intersection easy to get to the light and then go whatever direction you need to go home. So uh, that's going to be another bigger project. So a comprehensive review of the South Perimeter Highway is underway, along with the potential for a bypass around St. Mor- Norbert, Norbert pardon me, is in the study stage. What other highways need attention? Give us a text message or... The ones I drive. <laughs> always, right? That's always the answer. The ones I drive. I really, like, I know you're feeling the pain over on Highway 6. I get it. Yep. But I want 70, 75, 59, you know, a couple of those. Just mine.
Want to talk about Peppa Pig in a moment. But before we do that, we mentioned earlier, what does Provincial Trunk Highway mean? <laughs> and Jeff Braun is here. He's all riled up. <laughs> what is a Provincial Trunk Highway, Jeff it's Braun? Just, it's the main highway, and then the little highways that sprout off of it, of course, would be the branches. Is, okay. uh, You're a little more polite about it than one Tim, of our listeners. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on, guys. Tree, you know, trunk, main park. He's like, seriously? And I'm like, seriously? I did not seriously, know that. So yeah, not thank know. you for the feedback. I think we all need to take a road test or, <laughs> or so. something because we had the conversation about the yellow and the white lines the other day. We weren't sure what the difference was. Both Cam yeah. and Jeff are very Prince disappointed Prince Phillips shaking his head at you guys. Oh, no, I, I didn't know that. Really? I didn't know the, well, I, I didn't know the difference, but I thought they just had whatever paint they had. Oh, you, you, know, okay. <laughs> you knew Trunk? I, I thought Trunk had to, if I'm going to admit this, I thought it had something to do with like way back when, when there was wagons going down the road and this was like a Trunk Highway or something. I don't know. Carrying Trunks? I, I had no idea it had something to do with trees and branches. Just, I had no idea. Trunks commonly fall off the wagon yes, on exactly. this Yeah, that's Basically. what I thought. Something like that. Okay. Okay, and it's Jeff Braun uh, summed it up. He said city folk. Okay, there's a pig in the news this week. Because Jess from Altona. Global National anchor Donna Friesen has more on this pig. And a pig is making news tonight. A cartoon pig named Peppa. If you have kids, you know that Peppa and her family are British. But the show is popular in more than 200 countries. And now some parents in the U.S. say their little ones are speaking with a British accent. Granny Pig. We're here. Donkey Pig. Hello, my little ones. It's being called the Peppa Effect, and moms and dads are turning to social media to share the proof. What does it say? Dear Blake, please come my puppy. That car is kind of weird. Why? Because. The show about a female pig and her animal friends has millions of loyal viewers around the world and has gone viral in China, too. It is, after all, the year of the pig. So Peppa started, I've never heard of Peppa Pig, but that, I don't have kids, so children's programming is not my bag. It's been on since 2004. Oh my. Yeah, I had no idea. But uh, kids around the world, and who knows, maybe this has been a thing ever since Peppa started, but just because social media, people are finally figuring out that kids are absorbing the accent from this popular show. I don't remember talking like Grover when I was a kid. I do. You should. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't pick up that accent. Oh, the British accent, though. I think anyone who goes to England or has a friend who's English will, like, or with a British accent will walk away that night having a little affectation. Like, I definitely, the last time I was in London, I kept yelling, like, come on, Fulham, four quid, bit of my car. <laughs> and like, are you from Boston? And I was like, nope. Boston? <laughs> but I couldn't stop doing it. Instead like, of getting in line, you're getting into queue yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. And mind the gap. Like, I, I just, I'm, it's ridiculous. I'm you really, pick up on the terminology for oh, sure. I'm I'm really bad at it. Like I'm if I hang out with anybody that has any sort of accent, if I'm in like te- I'm I'm walking out with there with that accent. <laughs> really? I'm, I'm terrible. Oh yeah. I was one time I was in um I was in Europe, I was in Vienna and there was these uh, Scottish women that we were kind of sitting there drinking with and I was I, I had a few. I was sitting there. My uncle, uh, and one of them looks over to my uncle and says, oh, "Why does he have a Scottish accent and you don't?" And he goes, he, "He's not Scottish. He's just an idiot." <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm so ops that I can't do accents. 
I try doing an English accent and it turns into, uh, I don't even know, like an Australian English <laughs> accent. It's just, it's terrible. I'm like, not trying to do it. It's just <laughs> happening. Well, like, you're trying to fit in. No, you're trying to I assimilate. Don't, maybe. I don't know. You just, I don't know. It's I can't stop doing it. I once knew someone, they went to Scotland. They were there for like four or five months. And two years later, still had a Scottish accent that they picked up while they were <laughs> that there. They acquired. Yeah. yeah. Or the, just the words. Like, I've had friends who did the same, you know, four-month stint uh, in the UK, and then they'll come back, and for the rest of their life are, are saying things like, have you seen my mobile? And I'm Ugh. like, no, I, I have not seen your cell phone. You need to cut those people out of your life. spins around above the crib. You yeah. still have one of those in yeah. your bed? Oh, I, mean, I got to get my rent in for my flat again? No, you don't. Like, it's an apartment, but fine. <laughs> <laughs> I did date an Australian for about six months, and I did acquire some of the words have become part of my vocabulary. And also doing business in the United States for about three or four words, like decal and decal, and some of the different words that they say, slight root and route, some of the different things that they say in order to be accepted. I adapted their word because you're in a meeting of two of you and 11 of them, you might want to sound more like them as opposed to the other way around. Although it was fun sometimes to throw Canadianisms at them and have them look at you. They don't have a word realize. for toque down there, which is so weird. Skull cap, beanie, yeah, hat, winter hat. So I've that's had someone, not a word. I've them. had someone say, oh, nice toboggan. What? Uh, Pop your noggin. We did this one. That is a toque. <laughs> Getting a couple of text messages here. One person says, my five-year-old has to go to bed with her Peppa Pig toys and gets mad if you say no. So you just give in and take them away in the middle of the night. Another text from Spencer says, father good. of a five-year-old here. It's true to an extent about the accent. She only does it temporarily after watching. I'm switching her to Samuel L. Jackson movies shortly. There are no snakes on this. Oh, gosh. My girlfriend's littlest one really likes Peppa Pig. Peppa Pig's number two after Paw Patrol, but she's a Peppa Pig fan. She didn't pick up the accent. She just goes, She every time I show up, she just looks at me and goes. <laughs> she just picked up the snort. Is it just with you? I hope it's. I don't know. It's funnier if it's just with Jeff. Yeah. Well, I do it back, so I encourage it. Oh, good. Another text messenger says, my daughter totally sounds like an English valley girl. She's four. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> Probably combination so, so the, there. the English accent combined with the affectation, perhaps, of ending the, the question, like, or the sentence like it's a question. You know. Yeah. So you can text us your thoughts on Peppa the Pig. Sorry, Peppa Pig. See, I don't... Never even heard of it. Is it Peppa the Pig? Is it Peppa Pig? It's just Peppa Pig. Peppa Pig. And uh, just a quick note as well. I wonder if the kids ever have a hard time understanding Peppa Pig because, Jeff, I know that you have this problem too. If I watch yep. British TV, I yep. often have to turn the subtitles on yeah. and I feel like such an idiot. It's it's a show in English. They spawned <laughs> the language and I can't understand it's, what they're saying. It's when you feel like you're like 95. When we watch it, we have to rewind it so many times. Did you catch that? No. Did you catch that? No. We re rewind again and it's not like it's another language. It's yeah. impossible well, it, it, to understand. Like uh, Snatch, the movie oh, Snatch, no. that, might, that might as well be in Portuguese. Like, yeah. I have no idea what the heck they're saying. I still don't. Yeah, no. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, struggling to find that perfect romantic gift for your significant other this Valentine's Day? How about a mixtape? Or if you want to be a bit more current, a playlist to help you avoid those songs that sound mushy and romantic until you listen a little closer. Here's producer Kyle. I've been really trying, baby, 
Ah, yes, Valentine's Day, that special time of year where you serenade your significant other. You could sing your own song, but I would recommend you use someone else's. Wait a minute, isn't that a breakup song? Okay, this whole love song thing is a bit of a minefield, so I'm gonna walk you through it. Here are some other songs to avoid February 14th. Crackling Rosie by Neil Diamond, yeah, it's a love song uh, about a bottle of wine. Nope. Martha, my dear, written by Paul McCartney. It's about a dog. Not bad. You could probably do better. Okay, Jet by Paul McCartney and Wings. That's more like it. A love song about a pony. Ah. There She Goes by One Hit Wonders. The Laws. A beautiful love song, except it's definitely about heroin. Okay, there. The One I Love by R.E.M. Love is right in the title. Nope. It's a Jilted Ex-Lover song. Okay, this song is a classic. Police every breath you take. Told from the viewpoint of a stalker. So there you go. A brief summary of just some of the songs that you should probably avoid this Valentine's Day. It is the thought that counts, certainly, but next time you're listening to a song with your significant other, just be sure and check the lyrics. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that was a stalker song. Every breath you take, call the police. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had no idea. I mean, it's not really been big on my playlist, but still, I certainly slow danced to that bad boy. Yeah, there have been. I remember actually listening to the lyrics for that and thinking... This is really creepy. And then, sure enough, it's because it is creepy. Since it is Valentine's Day, we start this hour with a romantic restaurant. You might be looking for a romantic spot to enjoy dinner. Maybe you're a procrastinator. Oh, boy, if you're still making phone calls right now, Mm. let us know how that's going. Yeah, goodness help you. drive through. This has got to (laughs) be... Well, there's one drive through off the list, but uh, the bottom line is this is one of the busiest days in the restaurant business. Oh, yeah, you could speak to that, of course, Greg. You're a restaurateur. Now, online restaurant reservation provider Open Table recently released its list of the most romantic restaurants across Canada. Six of them are in Manitoba, including... The Gates on Roblin. Ray Louie is co-owner of The Gates. He joins us now on the phone. And first of all, Ray, you tried to make it down here. You got stuck in traffic. Where are you now? <laughs> I'm pulled off on the side of Route 90. And uh, how long were you sitting there in gridlock? I have been on Route 90 for half an hour, and I got about halfway towards you. Okay, oh, wow. Ray, give us a better uh, traffic report than that. Where did you start? Where were you going? <laughs> give us some statistics here. <laughs> I started at South Point at about 7.15, and I worked my way towards you. And, uh, yep, it was just locked up around Walmart. And then by the time we got to Ikea, it was no-go. Well, there you go. You just gave up, and that was the best uh, traffic report of the morning. So we appreciate that very much. Is Valentine's Day the... The busiest day or one of the, the top three busiest days of the year? I think Mother's Day might be the champion of busiest days. 
That's right. We all love our moms, and Mother's Day is the champion of days. Valentine's ranks up there because it's spread out over three or four days. And it is one of our busiest days. Absolutely. It's I'm, probably number two or three. I'm actually trying to get a reservation on your website just now. Just out of curiosity, and I can get a nice early bird supper in around 435, but it looks like you're pretty jammed this evening. That's right. It started about last year. A lot of the people who left would rebook, and then it just filled in slowly over the last couple of months. And we've been full for about two weeks. Like they would finish their meal February 14th last year and immediately decide they're coming back to the same place a year later? We get a lot of that. Mother's Day, Easter, and Valentine's Day is usually one of those where we have a lot of regulars that say, you know what, we we liked it. It was good. Let's do it again. That is so proactive. it, It is. It is. It's so not normal like we we don't work that way we're not wired that way and we we love it when our guests do that so for those who have never been to the gates on roblin i know it's in the name but where exactly is the gates on roblin it's actually 20 seconds past the perimeter (laughs) a lot of people think we're way out in the country that you have to pack a lunch and drive out but we're not we're 20 seconds from the perimeter if you have a good arm you can throw a rock into the city uh we're on the banks of the assiniboine river right on roblin boulevard so if I'm looking for, I mean, what would make the Gates of Robin one of the most romantic places to have a meal in Winnipeg? Give me a little bit of, is it the atmosphere, the food, what's going on there? Well, for sure, the food brings people back, but the atmosphere is why you come in the first place. I mean, you can get a great meal in a million different places in Winnipeg. As we all know, Winnipeg is a great restaurant city. Um, so having great food doesn't get you lots of customers. What it does is it just puts you on the list. But what we offer is, of course, the setting. You come out and you take a little bit of a drive. So it validates the fact that we're a destination. So you come out and it, like I said, it's right out in the country, but it's just outside the city. You get here, you go down a nice, uh, beautiful, long driveway towards a century-old Timothy Eaton home. And you walk into a restored estate that has been turned into a restaurant. Uh, We're made up of seven different little rooms with fireplaces in some and views of the different parts of the property from others, upstairs dining rooms uh, with balconies, and uh, you you basically are led to your table. It's uh, um, fine dining, white tablecloth, without any of the pomp and stuffiness that you would expect from that. You try to keep it a little country casual, and uh, basically you um, enjoy your meal. And then afterwards, a lot of people, even in minus 28, you'd be surprised, We'll go for a little walk and walk down to the river or through the garden. We try to keep some of the paths cleared out so that you can actually take a look around, even when there's a three-foot snow drift around. Well, if it's so romantic, maybe they're just looking for a nice, quiet spot, you know, but I won't get into that. <laughs> Did you see a lot of proposals on Valentine's Day, a lot of people pulling out that engagement ring? We see a lot of proposals, period, uh, mostly around occasions, whereas uh, Valentine's is the most popular one. But even around the holidays, we saw a lot of uh, uh, proposals and uh, renewal of vows and proposals for renewal of vows, which is great because our demographic is a little bit older. And you know what? Ten-year Valentine's proposal to renew your vows is just as romantic as the young couple coming in all starry-eyed and nervous. And he sweatily hands over a ring and says, hey, can you hide this in her dessert? You know, <laughs> it's just as nice. Ray, do you have a playbook for sale? It sounds like you've got it all figured out in terms of uh, what is romantic. I think maybe we should sit down and and hammer out a a book with you. And if you haven't been to the gates for a meal, there's every chance you've been invited to, if not attended, a wedding, because you guys do these things uh, spectacularly well as also. The weddings bring the business in, in the sense that they bring in people who've never been there before. 
So as a guest to a wedding, as a, par- uh, as a member of the bridal party, when you come in and you look around, you think to yourself, wow, this is where I'm going to propose, or this is where I want my wedding, or this is where we can celebrate our anniversary. So the weddings do bring us in uh, a lot of our new traffic uh, because of what we do. But uh, as, as, as to a playbook, you know, um, I, I don't claim to have one. Basically, what we take advantage of is the fact that we're located on a beautiful property. And uh, it really makes for a great dining experience because you get a little bit of uniqueness in, in a city of, full of great restaurants. Thegatesonroblin.com is the website. 20 seconds outside the perimeter on Roblin. Ray Louis is the co-owner. Thank you so much for joining us today, Ray. Much appreciated. Thank you. Happy Valentine's Day. A, t- a proposal on like your 10-year anniversary. I like that. A renewal, a vow renewal proposal. Yeah, I'm totally fine with that because I'm past 10, so I don't have to worry about that. I think, <laughs> well, it's, I think it's a brilliant for idea. For everybody else. <laughs> yeah, for everybody else. By the way, uh, Open Table recently released a list of most romantic restaurants across Canada, and uh, the Gates on Roblin was on that list. It sounds spectacular. I haven't been there, but Ray just did such a solid pitch, so I will add it to my list of places that I need to go, and if you want to try to get in. He mentioned Valentine's Day takes place over a number of days. As we head into a weekend, you might be looking to celebrate Valentine's Day over the weekend. Again, the gates on Roblin.com. This next story has been talked about across the country, and mm. it's just one of the craziest things you maybe I've ever seen it because I heard about it and I thought, well, big deal. But then I saw the no, video. When you hmm. see it, yes. Yeah. yeah, when you see the video, it's it's crazy what could have happened with this woman in Toronto, Greg. Yeah, so this Toronto woman at the heart of this video that you may or may not have seen appears to, and we say appears because we have to, to show her tossing a chair from a high-rise balcony onto the Gardner Expressway. 40 stories Below. 40 stories. She's been granted bail. The video first started making the rounds on Monday, and in it you can see the 19-year-old standing on a condo balcony with a folding chair. And not just a plastic chair, but a chair with wood and metal backing. It's got a cushion on it, and she hurls it down, thinking it'd be funny just to throw it down onto the freeway below and Loren used to live in Toronto the gardener pretty busy place pretty busy place those high rises are like something we haven't seen in Winnipeg they like, are right up against the freeway they're right up against the freeway they're so high that when you stand up on them a girlfriend lived on the 40th floor one it was so windy that you didn't even you sometimes were nervous just being on the condo so the height wow. is something that we're not familiar with but this would be worse than standing on top of 201 Portage like the old TD Tower at Portage Main and throwing a chair down into that amount of traffic so thankfully no one was hurt miraculous no it one skipped was hurt. all these cars and bounced down around, and apparently wasn't the only thing that was chucked. But they took some time. They identified the woman. They've charged her. She's 19 years old, and her lawyer says she's sorry. But we want to talk about, is that enough? First, here's more from Global's Erica Vela. She is embarrassed by what happened. She wished it never happened. But 19-year-old Marcella Zoya is seen smiling as she leaves the courthouse, followed by a crowd of people wanting to know why this happened. A chair hurled from a balcony high above the Gardner Expressway. Zoya has been slapped with three charges following Saturday's incident. First one is mischief and danger life. 
second one is mischief, damage destroyed property, and the third one is common nuisance. She appeared in court and was granted bail, but must follow a list of conditions. Zoya has been ordered to live with her mother. She can have no contact with the four other people who were allegedly involved in the incident, and she must not attend the downtown condo where the incident took place. Her lawyer says she didn't act alone. And there were people there uh, causing peer pressure, right, creating peer pressure on her. She's a young lady and a mistake happened. Lawyer Lauren Honickman says the charges are severe. Mischief, uh, endangering life, carries a potential uh, maximum penalty of life in prison upon conviction, so you can just see how serious it is. Of course, she would never wish anybody would be hurt, and um, we will just take this through to proper course, through to right channels, through to Crown's office, and we'll go from there. Interesting. I mean, she's young. So we talked about that this morning. Does age have something to do with the... What That's I'll, their whole defense. That's their whole stupid defense. factor, right? You're young. You don't know any better. You know better than to hurl anything off a balcony. Even at four, if your kid chucks something, you say, don't you throw that at them. That could hurt somebody, right? So yeah. I, don't, I don't know if age is a defense. But we've been talking about this morning about restorative justice. What if you found all the people that had to swerve around that chair and nearly miss that car? Get them in a room and talk about the fear or the anger or whatever they've felt. I mean, I don't... She, she needs to understand how close she came to killing somebody, not just hurting them. Also, one of our loyal listeners, Kristen, made an excellent point, one that I was kind of thinking about as well, where Kristen says she's sorry and embarrassed. Have people watched the video during yeah. that statement? She walks around the corner and is delighted to see all the cameras waiting for her. This girl looked absolutely pumped for all the attention she is getting from this. And she was, you could see her like touching her face, making sure her eyebrows are good and her makeup is good. Like, yeah, she looked super excited to be on camera. Now, I'd suggest she got exactly what she wanted out of this. Notoriety on the internet, now in the mainstream media. And, you know, if your, your lawyer is going to stand up there and say, Oh, she was peer pressured into doing this. Well, clearly, clearly all the conditions that the judge attached to her bail, I would say are very reasonable and maybe not harsh enough because you've just admitted that you're incapable of being out in the world, out in general society without a caretaker. Now, I will say she I did watch the video and she was smiling and she was really made up and, and you know, fo fixing her hair and stuff. But she's young, and so I, w I will allow for that kind of idea. When you're nervous, you smile a lot. Like, I know I'm that type of person that you might see me and say, is she not, <laughs> what, what is Loren finding funny right now? And I get nervous, and I have a weird giggle, and you'll be in a situation that's not funny and find yourself putting that face. So I'll, that would be what I would think about seeing her. But she's old enough to know better, and more than that, uh, what people take away from that is that down the road, this hangs on to her forever. This stupid act, because of the internet now, someone's going to Google her name when she applies for a job. I don't know if she lives this down ever. Show this to all your kids. She uh, Maybe she has a career in the WWE moving forward. Ooh, there you go. Last year, Greg and I got to participate in this. The Winnipeg, at the time, the Winnipeg Nightlife Awards was the third annual. I believe we handed out the award for best pizza, right? Yeah, apropos, wouldn't you say? Santa Lucia. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I could barely fit into my suit, so I would say it was a, it was a fitting, uh, rather <laughs> tightly fitting award. Fitting and unfitting all at once. <laughs> so this year, it is the fourth annual Winnipeg Nightlife and Lifestyle Awards, April 19th at the Metropolitan Entertainment Center, and the public nominee selection process wraps up on Saturday. So... Tracy Koga, chair of the Winnipeg Nightlife and Lifestyle Awards, is in studio with us. Hey, Tracy, how are you? 
I am very good and happy Valentine's to everybody out there and happy Valentine's to you guys too. It's the timeless Tracy Koga. Wow. Tracy looks exactly like she did like 25 years yes, ago when yes. she was on TV. When I first started What's in the, the deal with I that? met Tracy and then she walks in today and I was like, come on, man. <laughs> this is just not fair. No wonder this is kind of your thing too to chair the Nightlife Awards and because you, you really are immersed and everything that is Winnipeg, right? Do you have your own well, favorites that you like to hit uh, hit up all the time? Well, it's funny that you say that because I think, you know, you do because I'm born and raised here. And, you know, we have our, our go-to places. But having, you know, I guess exposure to an event like this, you really get to see so many other things in our city. And I think something like this, the awards, they're public awards. Uh, I don't think that there's any in any other city right now. I mean, there might be versions of it, but um, I mean, it's really a time, I think, for us to really share and celebrate and who we are and what we do here because we know enough through the news and through social media or whatever, what's happening, um, you know, and there's so many great things. And yes, you know, we can say the Jets and everything like that, but uh, it's all of the, the hardworking um, people that choose to stay to live here and create economy create a buzz, and do really good things like get recognition internationally, you know, across Canada, worldwide for whatever they do. And this is, I think, a really great time to showcase these people. And it started off, as you guys had mentioned, you know, three years ago to really support the nightlife. And that was something of a, you know, I guess an underdog, right? We think bars, nightclubs, and really these are hardworking people that work through the night and you know, obviously, I guess, sleep a little bit later into the day. But, uh, you know, it was, their, it was their choice to kind of celebrate their industry. And then so this year, I think as everything, as a, an event, you have to change. And so we really wanted to branch out into lifestyle. Uh, Brett and Greg, you know, best pizza kind of thing. And so we've really kind of taken a look at the lifestyle industry. And, you know, obviously, there's some things that we couldn't include this year, but the hope is to expand it more. So we've things like, you know, Entrepreneur of the Year. Uh, we've included now comedians and co- the comedy scene of the live entertainment. So that includes, you know, live plays and live dance and music too as well. So um, I think it opens the doors to another community that we want to foster and bring in and celebrate all the good things that they do too. Greg's always talking about and championing for Winnipeg and how he thinks, and I think he's right, that we've mm-hmm. changed and we really grow into our own. We're not defending our city anymore. We're proud mm-hmm. of it, embracing all the new things that we have. Uh, but there's still that group of people, and sometimes I fall into it too, where you're, you still just go to the same places, or you might fall into, oh, there's just nothing to do in that neighborhood. And every yes. time I'm brought out of my, my comfort zone, I'm shocked what's mm-hmm. out there. So I still think we hear that too much where people say, oh, I didn't know that that existed or I didn't yeah. know that that was a business or I didn't know the exchange had all these restaurants. I know. And that doesn't matter whether you live in Winnipeg, Toronto, Vancouver. I mean, it's all the same because we are creatures of habit. Same we challenges. Have our, yeah. You have your job, you have your family or your your friends and you're in that circle. Well, there's a reason why the Academy Awards mm-hmm. do what they do. It's not just to pat themselves on the back and congratulate one another. It's so that you will go and see more movies, plain and simple, right, Brett? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And these oh, awards yeah. do that for Winnipeg, right? I mean, Greg and yeah. I had super, lots of fun last year 
And uh, like the, the gamut last year even was, you know, you had best tattoo artist and yeah, and uh, I think there was back. fashion. But now I see there's a, tat, a yoga studio and spa of the year, brand of the year. Yeah. So, I mean, and that's a huge thing. Health and wellness is a huge, huge industry. And that's definitely lifestyle, right? So we need to include those people because they are, you know, making an impact on our community. Again, helping the economy, but also putting Winnipeg on the map for new new and cool things. So, you know, we're not the poor second cousin anymore. I really don't think. So if you're listening right now, someone listening right now wants to make a nomination, how do they do that? Well, simply go to the website, wnla.ca, and uh, the nominations are right up there right now. And uh, you can vote or nominate up to three people. So this is Valentine's Day. So this is a time to honor the person you love or honor the place that you love. Um, There's 36 categories. So there's something for everyone. And you don't have to, you know, put a nomination in for every category. But, uh, you know, take a look. And I'm sure you'll know someone or a group or a company in there that you think that really deserves recognition. And like I said, this is the public nomination, so it's your chance. You, 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 you sitting here, you know, we'll to have your start say. nominating yeah. each other. No, so I'm do kidding. it now, please. But yeah, we, do you it can now. nominate, but then yes. it's a really big celebration. So tell yeah. us a little bit about the night when the awards awards are presented, because you can get tickets for that too. Yes, you yeah. can get tickets as well. So the big night is Friday, April nineteenth, at the beautiful Metropolitan Center. Um, we're going to have a splashy red carpet party too. Um, we've had some great sponsorship come on board, so it's like the Academy Awards. You know, it's a chance to dress up, and uh, we have celebrity presenters, and uh, it's really a fun night. And I just wanted to mention, too, one of the great highlights of the evening is we do the Lifetime Achievement Award for, you know, someone or a group or whomever that is really, you know, deserving and has put a lot of service or a lot of years into making Winnipeg what it is. So this year we're honoring the legendary Ron Paley and the Ron Paley Band. Nice. So I'm really happy to say that. WinnipegNightlifeAwards.com is where you go if you want to make a nomination. The nominations close on Saturday and then voting begins on Friday, February 25th. Last year, Global News Morning's Shannon Kuzas was named TV Personality of the Year. And this year's awards, April 19th, Tracy Koga, Chair of the Winnipeg Nightlife and Lifestyle Awards. Thanks for coming to see us. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, we have a couple of things to discuss this segment, including a touching story out of Toronto and something out of City Hall. And I just, I have to quickly mention this because a package just arrived for me. It's in a large box and uh, it says, breakfast inside, just add milk. And I'm thinking, that's weird. And then I look at the card and it's from nothing but tech. And this is a shop on Main Street, 1795 Main, and the name is Rui. And then I knew immediately what was inside. One oh, of our loyal, one of our loyal texters, Rui. Rui, and I've opened the box, and it's a box of chocolate frosted flakes. Of course, it is. He says, "Hello, Brett. My wife went to the U.S. on the weekend. Got her to bring me some more <laughs> corn flakes. I thought I'd grab you an extra box, and now you can enjoy." As uh, does it say it somewhere on the box? Oh, I don't see, it doesn't say it on the box, but it used to say because uh, in the States they often put things in Spanish as well. It would be chocolate frosted flakes slash choco zucaritas. <laughs> I will never forget last spring uh, working with Global Television down in Minneapolis for the wild. 
versus Jets game and doing an interview with you guys. And I think your second question to me was, are you doing any shopping later? Because I could really use (laughs) some chocolate chocolate Some chocolate. Yes, yes. Second on my list of things to grab today, Brett. (laughs) Now, aren't you regretting the fact that you didn't bring those for for Brett? I know, I did it and I didn't do it. Yeah, there you go. Some co-worker you are. That's fair. Good well, friend. So what's thank you very much, Rui. So much appreciated. And uh, although now I have to share them now that I live with somebody. Uh, no. I don't think so. Just put your name on the man. <laughs> yeah, that, that'll get the I've got a sharpie situation. in my desk. On, on Valentine's Day, go home and start like labeling all the things in your apartment, Brad. <laughs> take the, take she the can't tape, touch. Take the tape and divide all the shelves and right down the middle of the refrigerator. That That's really I will the say, key to a long-lasting relationship. I have given my husband the stink eye when I like buy a nice bottle of wine and he says he doesn't want to have a glass. And then next thing you know, I see him pouring and I'm like, um. It wasn't really. Now, be honest, though. <laughs> That's never happened the other way when you're out and it's like, oh, uh, do you yeah. need some fries? Yes. Do you want some fries? Absolutely. No, no, I'll have some of your fries. No, no you no. won't. No, here's the deal. I ordered the appropriate amount of fries for my appetite. I'm more than happy to order you your own separate. No, no, I just need to. So I'll get you an order of fries then. Yeah. That's the way to go, fellas. And and Jackie loves to to get a sip of Coke or Pepsi. And I call it the sweet spot. Oh, I suppose it's in the sweet spot. Yes, it's in the sweet spot. <laughs> oh, my God. What? We, some breaking news from Munther Zed from Food Fair. He just texted us, 204-780-6868. Also available in Winnipeg at Food Fair, chocolate frosted flakes. Get out of town. The Zeds save the day. Does he, does he have any idea how he's just derailed the entire morning now? <laughs> like some important, you know what I bought? We at, have some important things to discuss. You know yep, what I did buy at Food Fair the last time I was there? Lime Crush. My kids love Lime Crush, and they've got it at Food Fair. At least they did out on Cavalier. So hmm. how about that? So yeah. Thank you, Munther. Yes, thank you very much. I can't. That's uh, that's a life changing thing for me. So I, I know it sounds stupid, no, but no, I no, love this I cereal. I actually emailed Kellogg's and said, "Why is this cereal not available in Canada?" What did they say? They they pointed me to their other chocolate cereal. It's called Crave, not but it's same. not anywhere no. near as good. So I said, "Well, I'm just going to eat chocolate Cheerios from your competitors until you bring in the chocolate frosted flakes." Winnipeg Whiskey Festival. It's happening Friday and Saturday, March 1st and 2nd, the 7th annual Winnipeg Whiskey Festival. And in studio we have Gary Dowaduck, product ambassador with Manitoba Liquor Marts, and Rick Brownlee from the Sport Heritage from the Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame. He is the Sport Heritage Manager for the Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame. Gentlemen, thank you for popping by. We appreciate the visit. Thanks, Thanks for, having for having us here, yeah. So Winnipeg Whiskey Festival, whiskey is spelled W-H-I-S-K-Y. Sometimes we see this word spelled with an E. So what's the deal there, Gary? Well, uh, whiskey is something that originates from the uh, Celtic nations of Ireland and Scotland. And uh, their language, Gaelic, uh, evolved slightly differently from each other. And so when they started talking about whiskey, they would use words like uska, for instance, or uskaba, things like that, and that eventually evolved into the word whiskey. In Ireland, they kept the letter E in the name, whereas in Scotland, they lost that letter. So that sort of evolved then into Canada, where we took on the Scottish spelling, and in the United States, they took on the Irish spelling. So never mind the spelling, you've got Scotch whiskey, you've got rye whiskey, and that confuses a lot of folks as well. 
Yes, they're all whiskeys, and what makes them distinctive is the countries they come from. So Scotch whiskey, of course, comes from Scotland, Irish whiskey from Ireland. In Canada, we call ours rye, and in the U.S., they call theirs bourbon. But they're all in the whiskey family, which means they're made from grain, they're fermented from grain, and then they're distilled and then aged in oak. Do we know how, like, it seems to me now, in, in maybe it's just my circle, but even at Christmas time, the, pref- the, the drink preference from a, lo- a growing group of people, and I'm going to say women too, because there used to be this, it used to be a man's drink after work, having a glass of scotch, is really on the rise. So are you seeing that in terms of sales and more people coming in asking for these various forms of whiskey? Yeah, in the prairies, it's always been popular to drink sure. whiskey, but now it's booming. It's absolutely booming. So in, in the last 20 years, we've seen great growth in scotch, and we started to see a boom in Irish whiskey recently, more recently bourbon, and now Canadian whiskey on the premium level is starting to grow extremely well too. So Christmas time, uh, yeah, we're seeing a lot more demand for these kinds of drinks because they're in vogue, if you will. Mm-hmm. So it's a fundraising event for the Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame. Uh, Rick, what does this event mean for your organization? Uh, I think also to Gary's comment that we're seeing that reflective in the festival that a growing number of women are starting to attend now as we're in our seventh year. As the first night, we've gone two nights and the proceeds all go to the Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame and we're certainly grateful for that. Um, We have a new exhibit coming up on women in sport uh, that will be opening in March and uh, as people come and see that, this event is the kind of thing that allows us to do those. Rick, uh, I've often, for as well as men have represented Manitoba in sport over the last century plus, in the last 30 or 40 years, boy, oh boy, has per capita, I don't know if anywhere on the planet produces better and winter sport, in particular winter sport, female champions than we do in Manitoba. we got to be miles ahead per capita than just about anywhere else. Yeah, anything on the ice certainly comes to mind with uh, with uh, Clara Hughes, Cindy Kloss, and uh, Susan Ock, people like that. But also um, on the curling rink, on the hockey rink, certainly produced that here. And we have seen that, but this exhibit will will go back and explore um, all the way back to uh, World War uh, one World War II days and that sort of thing where women started taking on different roles and, and started discovering other things in life. And one of those things was sport. It's the Winnipeg Whiskey Festival is what we're talking about. Our guests are Gary Dowaduck, product ambassador with Manitoba Liquor Marts, and Rick Brownlee, Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame. He is the sport heritage manager. And it's the seventh annual Winnipeg Whiskey Festival, the first time where it's two nights, Rick. It's a Friday and Saturday, March 1st. And second, so are, where are you in terms of ticket sales? Are you sold out yet? Yeah, well, the last couple of years, Gary and I were talking about it. We've sold out uh, just after Christmas. But now that we've gone to two nights, uh, we had a choice on our hands to either go to a different venue that could handle more people because we were at 475 last year or to stay at the Fairmont and go to two nights. And I think our clientele told us that they liked the intimacy and the panache of the Fairmont wanted to keep it there. And we're a little over 300 on Friday night right now, almost close to a sellout for there, and just a little under 300 for Saturday night. So tickets are still available at winnipegwhiskeyfestival.com. Tell us how the night works, because, you know, when you think of festival, you think of just a lot of drink sampling, but this is really so much more than that. Like there's a gourmet meal that's being served, there's tasting, mixology sessions, all the rest. So if I'm getting tickets for one of those nights, what might it look like? Well, i Take that one. If, if you're taking a VIP ticket, uh, you get in an hour earlier than the regular clientele and you're uh, able to go to master class sessions so you could have a product ambassador uh, teaching you a little more uh, on a one on 20, 25 kind of intimate scale. 
Um, the Fairmont chefs have provided uh, Carvery stations, uh, Poutine station, Asian box station, any kind of food you want to pair up with all these different kind of liquors that we have to offer. Um, they have that for you. And the mixology sessions are just an opportunity for people to leave the main tasting room and, and come out and try some cocktails, which are also seeing a, re- a reemergence in, uh, in people's product consumption. Are there foods that go good with well with scotch? Like 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 oh, you can pair wine with I don't know cheese. Like is there actually a food that you would suggest that I should be eating when I have a glass of scotch? Absolutely, whiskey is meant to, to go with food, just like wine is. And uh, in these nations where these whiskeys come from, that's how they were consumed. So I mean, richer, fuller whiskeys, uh, like heavily sherry cast whiskeys, like Macallan from Scotland, is great with dessert. Lighter whiskeys from Ireland tend to go well with uh, seafoods. And things like that. And Canadian whiskeys, which are really light, are really nice to go with lighter fare, salads, things like that. And that's one of the things that you can ex- explore extensively with all of these wonderful foods that are going to be available. Another opportunity that you have, too, uh, f- from an educational standpoint, is to interact with various brand ambassadors at the Whiskey Festival, ask them questions about their brands, ask them questions about their whiskeys. So, I mean, yes, there's lots of whiskey available to taste. But it's also a fantastic learning opportunity for people to go out and really learn more about this wonderful beverage and how diverse it is. Gary, when we come back, we're going to take a break. But I want to ask you about if I can train my palate. Mm. Because I, I I really want to enjoy scotch and I want to learn more about it. I, I want to ask you when we come back if I can train my palate to to it's get a, there. It's a great question. It's a marriage divider in our house right now because my husband's a big fan and I'm always just every time I smell it, I just I can't. But he loves it, and so that there has to be a way to find a way to enjoy some of it, or maybe a certain country. It's a marriage. Well, divider. I just mean like I can come in and I'll be like, <laughs> and there's this. Is it peaty? Like there's a certain kind that's a peaty, like boss. Smell? It, yeah, so yeah, Islay, some, thank you. Single yes. malt squatches that are, are can be very smoky, very peaty. Certain region yeah. of wherever it is that maybe, I'm like maybe not a Valentine's Day. Not drink. a Valentine's Day scotch, that's for sure. <laughs> well, let's talk more about the Winnipeg Whiskey Festival in a moment. Friday and Saturday, March first and second. Our guests are Gary Dowduct, product ambassador with Manitoba Liquor Marts, and Rick Brownlee, Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame Sport Heritage Manager. Mackling McGarry McNabb, the Winnipeg Whiskey Whiskey Festival coming Friday, March 1st and Saturday, March 2nd. WinnipegWhiskeyFestival.com. The event is in support of the Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame and in studio with us we have Rick Brownlee, Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame Sport Heritage Manager and Gary Dowda. Product ambassador with Manitoba Liquor Marts and Gary. This glass that you've brought in—it's a—it's a small glass. I, how would you shape this uh, or describe this Glencairn glass? The shape it, of what? Yeah. So, like, uh, you know, just to add a little bit more to that, like anything that you drink these days—wine, beer, or even whiskey—they're all highly specialized glasses that are used to enjoy these beverages. So, not a coffee mug. Don't chuck it in a coffee mug. We're saying. <laughs> don't say don't do just, it. <laughs> Okay. Just if you're going to do it, know why you're doing okay. it. Okay, so it's a specialized glass, so this would be called... That's interesting. I see a few coffee mugs around here. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> There's just coffee in those, Gary. So, so these glasses here, um, I would describe that as a kind of a what's called a tulip shape. So if you think of a, of a, of a tulip flower, uh, that's exactly the kind of shape you get. So it's, it's got a bit of a balloon on the bottom. And then it sort of narrows up to the top. And the intention of that is to concentrate aromas because so much about what taste and, you know, you talked about developing your palate. 
So much about taste is about smell because uh, aromatically, there's so many compounds that we can perceive and that is really what flavor is all about. And so this concentrates aromas and that's the exact intent of the glass. Uh, you see that again with other spirits, cognac, you see these big balloon glasses. This is much tighter than that, more like a tulip, as I say, but it, it allows you to enjoy the aromatic qualities of the whiskey much more so. So uh, I was mentioning before the break, uh, your palate can mature and acquire certain tastes. But as I found, as I did my wine tasting journey and, and learning more about wines, it was it was a sequential thing. It was a, a layered process. Is it the same thing with, with scotch or whiskey? Yeah, it's fantastic to describe it as a layered process because that's exactly what it is. It, it's, it's a voyage of discovery. And, you know, we, we drank things a certain way when we were kids. As we get older, we get a little bit smarter, a little bit more mature, and we enjoy the nuances of all of these products. So Canadian whiskeys are really light, and a lot of people think that because they're light, they're somehow inferior, and nothing could be further from the truth. It's just a different style of whiskey that you can enjoy in layers. So you enjoy it by looking at it, you enjoy it by smelling it, and then texturally on your palate, you'll enjoy the the sort of crispness of a Canadian whiskey, or you can enjoy the boldness of a bourbon, uh, or the the heavy richness and sweetness that you can get from certain scotches as well. Now, in terms of the whiskey face, I think we all know the whiskey face where you take um, a sip and then you make that, that kind of burn uh, kind of yeah. feeling. Yeah, is, is that what what one is going to experience at the whiskey festival? If you're lucky, yeah. Um, is that a good thing? A, you, you is could. it a good thing the whiskey the whiskey face? Uh, well, because it's a it's a it's a learning experience. A whiskey face for me means you're totally surprised and shocked by what you've mm. just received in the glass. So one of the things we talked about off air were the the PD scotches, for instance. And, uh, you know, I've done a lot of education classes over the years, and one of my hidden secret pleasures is watching people pick up a really peaty scotch like Laphroaig <laughs> or Lagavulin and smell it and smell what they think is a dirty ashtray, which, in fact, what you get there is all sorts of interesting compounds that add layers of flavor, to go back to the layering thing. I like how he's talking about dirty ashtray layers of flavor in the same sense. This is really, <laughs> this is really enticing you to go down this road, isn't it? But Loretta? people love it. It, it. But it's incredible what it is that those aromas that you pull out of, whether it be wine, rye, scotch, whiskey, if, if your nose is trained, it's incredible what you can sense. Absolutely. And uh, as I say, it, it, you discover more all the time and there's so much diversity with world whiskeys and there's so much to enjoy. That's that's why this festival is successful. Now, Rick, there are a couple of ancillary events as well happening prior to March 1st and 2nd. Tell us about those. That's correct. As, as we keep going farther with this and turn it into a truly a weekend festival, um, Thursday nights, you have the option of uh, a couple of ancillary events, one of which is in the Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame, so you can see where your money is going and what it's being put to work to. They're a $35 um, cost, so it's a, a much smaller flight. The one at the Hall of Fame, uh, Beam Suntory, is coming in with Bourbon Legends, and uh, Ray Daniel, their product ambassador, will take people through a journey on that. And then the Grant Park Education Centre has got craft whiskies, and I think Gary could talk a little bit about that. Craft whiskey. We only have about thirty seconds, but uh, is that does that include like we've got a local uh, company here, Capital K? They yeah, make, so uh, yeah, so um, they make uh, certain kinds of products. So I think they're going to edge towards making their own type of whiskey. Whiskey needs to be aged, so you have to be patient with it. But yeah, this is part of the phenomenon and the revival of the whiskey is that you have a small scale of producers producing really interesting, nuanced local flavors, and that's what craft whiskey is all about. 
Well, it's the Winnipeg Whiskey Festival, Friday and Saturday, March 1st and 2nd, the 7th Annual, in support of the Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame. And our guests have been Rick Brownlee from the Sports Hall of Fame. He's the Sport Heritage Manager. And Gary Dowduck, Product Ambassador with Manitoba Liquor Marts. WinnipegWhiskeyFestival.com for more information. Gentlemen, thank you for the visit and thank you for the glasses. You thank sure, you. You sure You're you welcome. can't leave a bottle of Macallan for, uh, for McNabb? Is that expensive? How, Gary, how much? $100 for the one I brought. I'm worth uh, that. Just want to throw that out Well, there. they got like scotches that are like $30,000, I think. I'm worth that. I should have gone with that. <laughs> <laughs> if I had known. You just I played your hand, McNabb. Yeah, I'm worth 100 bucks. Okay. Hey, thanks for listening to the Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think. And hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global. And on Instagram, at McNab on CJOB. Talk soon.